Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome back, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, before I get started again, I want to suggest that you go to wealthformula.com and make sure that you sort of get caught up on a lot of the lingo and that sort of thing when it comes to financial information. Now, there's a lot of basic financial stuff on that site. And sometimes, you know, it's a type of stuff that as a busy professional, but an educated professional, you may not know. Basic terminology, that sort of thing, the jargon of financial education, and that's what's on that website, at least for now. There is going to be a little bit of a facelift of the site soon. So uh, take uh, as much of that information in as you can, just so that you can speak the language. And also on that wealthformula.com, you'll see a button for Ask Buck for future shows. You can leave me questions there. You can also click on invest with me. Now that's an opportunity to get into, you know, a conversation with me, not just to, you know, invest in things that I'm offering. That's not the point. The point is to have conversations, get in the weeds and and talk about some of the things that we are doing together and uh, some of the things that are opportunities that are out there, some of my experiences, some of your experiences. The goal of for me on this show and this podcast is to create a very powerful community of like-minded individuals who want to take their finances, you know, and their future into their own hands rather than becoming one of those high-paid broke professionals at the end of their life. So that's the point of of the whole thing. So I do encourage you to do that. Obviously there's also a special report on there about saving thousands of dollars on your taxes and how to do that legally, which I think is a very useful document to download. So let's talk about today's show. Now you know, we talk to a lot of people putting together deals and, you know, have funds and who are, you know, real estate investors and, and all those types of things on this show. And the point of that is to give you exposure 
to people who are outside of Wall Street. You know, it's to to give you an idea of, you know, other things that you can invest in other than stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which uh, I collectively call garbage, as you know. So if we're not investing in those things, then then what are we investing in? Now, that seems like a very basic question. We talk about cash flow all the time. So aren't we talking about cash flow? But yeah, we are. But, you know, listen, every every successful investor out there has some parameters uh, that dictate what they invest in. And they try to put it into some sort of structure. And, you know, there's a million things out there that you could invest in. And I mean, obviously, very few of them are very good. You have to give yourself some structure to identify the things that are uh, that are actually worth spending some time on. And so I today just wanted to give you a little bit of a sense for what my own philosophy on these things are. So let's first of all, let's talk about, you know, okay, so if you don't invest in Wall Street, and you don't invest in stocks, uh, bonds, and mutual funds in Wall Streets and your financial advisors, who do you invest with? Well, my answer is twofold. One is, first, my own pension towards entrepreneurial activity makes me invest in myself. And of course, that means startup businesses. I have a, a few of those that have done very well. But I'm also talking about things like apartment buildings. Well, I buy apartment buildings, or in some cases, some people buy residential uh, you know, houses. They, they buy houses and rent them out. Well, that's a business too. Money comes in, money goes out, and Whatever's left over is a profit. So you have, you know, you have revenue, you have uh, liabilities, you have money coming in, coming out, and the profit's yours. That's what a business is by definition, right? So investing in yourself. But if you don't invest in yourself, which not everybody has all the time in the world to go out there and do startups, right, or to create enterprise themselves, which I think is a, a very good way to go in the way I do, I personally invest in people who I know, like, and trust. Now, specifically, what I mentioned there is that I invest in people. And that's a very important point, right? Because there are plenty of folks out there who are putting together deals, who have funds, etc. But that's not enough for me. I have to know them. I have to get to know them. I have to know their track record. I have to know a little bit about things they've done. And a lot of times I need to know other people who've invested with them. And so people, knowing people and investing with people who you know, like, and trust a lot of times will make things a lot safer and you'll find it to be a lot more enjoyable too, because what happens is you essentially are building a community. Okay. And people who you know, and they know you and they like each other and you trust each other, you know, you're, you're going to get their best uh, you're going to get their best foot forward. The big danger out there is investing with people without integrity. And I can tell you that I have done that in the past. And, you know, it's hard sometimes. You have to identify a shark, right? And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Some of you who may have listened to some very early shows might have heard me uh, do an interview with somebody, which I shortly took off the air because I pretty quickly figured out that this guy was not somebody I trusted and I didn't want him to be exposed to any of my listeners. Uh, it is a tough thing. And, and like anything else, it's trial and error. But the nice thing is, as you continue to build that community, and that's what we're doing here, you're going to get exposed to more and more people who I trust and 
you know, that doesn't mean you have to trust them, but it certainly gives you that element that somebody that maybe you like what they're saying, you know, somebody that they trust, and it might be worth getting to know them better. So first things first, again, is invest with people who you know, like, and trust. And of course, it's not always people that you're investing in. It's uh, investments as well. But most of these private investments, there's a sponsor, there's somebody who's putting the deal together, and they either have integrity or they don't. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to make a lot of money, but you know you know it won't be because they're trying to steal it from you. So that's one. The next thing I always I will tell you is, of course, I look for cash flow. Okay, so cash flow is really important. Now, one thing I want to say is that in the past, in earlier shows, I used to always talk about how I always wanted to have these, you know, high returns. You know, I wanted to have 15% return on investment or else I'm not going to invest. And, you know, I'd like to get 15% return on everything that I invest in, but it's not always possible to find that kind of deal that gives reliable returns. And what I mean by that is, especially now in the real estate market, it's getting pinched a little bit because all of these people who used to be in the stock market, they're all coming into real estate. And so the returns are getting pinched and they may not be as good as they used to be because there's too many people buying real estate. The same thing can be said for other investments as well. Now, the other thing though is it's not just about yield. In my view, it's about reliability. So you may have somebody or something that you can invest in that looks like it's going to give you 12 or 13% return on investment. And that's great, but you have to figure out how reliable is that? Is that a pro forma? Is that real? You know? So sometimes I have foregone those kinds of deals that have been put in front of me for things that I feel like are more reliable. For example, I'm looking at something that yields about 9% return on investment, but I know it's very, very reliable and I get, you know, I'll get the return every month and the risk is very low. For me, that risk reward is pretty darn good if that's the scenario. Along that same lines, some people will wait forever. They'll sit on, you know, $100,000 waiting for the perfect deal to put that money in. The problem there is if you put it in the bank, you're actually losing money because, you know, the inflation is going to be greater than 1% and the rates, the interest rates you're getting in the bank are less than 1%. Uh, And so that's going to essentially make it so that all the money that you have in the bank, you're essentially just losing money on. So if you can find something that can give you a reliable yield and it's good, say it's like an 8 or 9% return and it's reliable, it might be worth putting that money in now so that you can start getting money back on your $100,000 instead of waiting for the perfect deal and waiting a year, and then you start making money on your money. That concept is called velocity. And velocity simply means making sure that you deploy capital so that it is constantly making money. You know, there is this whole thing called the rule of 72, you know, 72 divided by a percentage that's the yield. So it was say nine or 10% return on investment or something like that tells you how long it takes you to double your money. And a lot of real estate investors use that and talk about that. But the tricky thing about that is if you don't deploy that cash flow back right away, the rule of 72 doesn't really help you. You've got to figure out a way how to keep all that money back 
put all that money back into something that continuously grows your money. And that's how you double your money, not by waiting six months and a year to finally deploy something. So that's cash flow, you know? Now, the other thing is on a very simplistic level, I only, I only invest in things that I understand. Okay. This is again really critical. And it goes back to the whole notion that Wall Street wants to confuse us. There's lots of jargon. We talked about in our Ask Buck show about, you know, a lot of times a lot of terminology is used and it's really just meant to confuse you. It might be trade talk, but at the end of the day, when, when they can throw out these kinds of terminology that you don't understand, it just makes it so that, you know, you feel kind of stupid and you don't really want to ask what exactly those things mean. And it makes it seem like it's hard and something that you don't understand. The reality is that most of this stuff is not that hard to understand. It's just like anything else. It's a different language. It's like being in a car shop. If you don't know anything about cars and the mechanic tells you that such and such is wrong with your car, you don't know what they're talking about. So you better learn about your car. Personally, I don't know anything about cars, but knowing about my car doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't necessarily going to uh, help me retire with money in my pocket instead of living in my, uh, one of my daughter's house or something like that. Uh, understanding uh, financial language is really, really important. But understanding your investment is even more important. I think that the way you have to think about this is very simple. If somebody who has an investment opportunity for you cannot explain the investment by simply turning over a napkin or a, an envelope and drawing it out for you and writing in a few sentences, run the other way. Investments become increasingly risky with complexity. I'll say it again. Investments become increasingly risky with complexity. So stay away from things that you don't understand because if you don't understand them, chances are other people don't understand them. It might even be the people who are putting together the deal. So in terms of Wall Street, you get a lot of that stuff, right? I mean, it's not like mom and pop stuff that we're investing in, like you know derivatives and things like that, but those are the types of things that Wall Street's into all the time. And, and they don't even understand half the things that they're doing, and they're very risky, and they could you know potentially really hurt the, hurt the economy in a bad way. But you have to understand them. So somebody says, here's what happens. People need to li- live somewhere, so they're going to live somewhere, so they're going to pay you rent. And you're going to pay your mortgage and whatever's left, that's how you make money. Well, that makes sense, right? Energy. You have to have oil, right? So, Or you have to have alternative energy to run everything. So you're going to invest in something that makes energy. That makes sense. Understand that, right? Or even debt. You know, I've had uh, Rick Vandersit on the show who does uh, sort of soft money lending to people who are, are doing real estate projects. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. You're giving people capital so that they can do real estate deals and and you're basically holding the debt on that and they're paying you for it. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? So that's understanding things. Now, the other thing is real things. Now, this goes back again to, um, to the concept that the only thing that constitutes wealth is something that is real. So paper is not real, okay? If you have a bunch of paper, and what I mean by paper is dollar bills or a bunch of stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Uh, it's not real wealth, okay? Real things are things that you can typically see, touch, and feel. So you can see real estate. 
You can touch it. You can feel energy. These are things that are real. Gold goes in there too. Now, gold is not necessarily an investment. I think gold is money, but it's real. It's been real for 10,000 years or more, right? We talked about that last time, how it costs the same amount now for an Armani suit as it cost for a, for a toga back about, you know, in Roman times. So, so these are things that are real. And when you invest in real things over time, that creates perpetual wealth, not paper. Another thing that's really important that I think about are the things that are essential to living, right? So when I invest, I think, well, if I'm going to put my money in something, I want to make sure that it's the type of thing that's going to do well, even in times where the economy is not doing well. So let me give you an example. You know, this is sort of the essentials, the uh, Maslow hierarchy type of investing, right? So when times are not good and the economy is rotten, what do you have to have? You still have to have a roof over your head, right? That's the most basic Maslow need, and that is an essential. And that's why I invest in housing for people and multifamily housing. Now, again, I don't invest in class A, even class B housing. And the reason for that and what that means is that's higher level housing. When people have money, you know, those are the fancy new places, class A, class B's, you know, maybe they're 10 years old, but they're still pretty good. I invest in class C. Those are working class uh, apartment buildings. And that's what I like because people got to work. And when times are not good, people in class A and B end up needing to rent and they, they move into class C apartment buildings. I stay away from class D because they won't pay you rent whether times are good or times are bad, but class C is a great place to be and it's essential. The same thing is, it's, what else is essential? Well, energy is essential. Whether you know times are good, times are bad, we need energy. What else is essential? We need food. Okay, We need commodities. We need things that people thrive on. Uh, to a certain degree, you could even throw in Things like coffee. I mean, people get addicted to coffee, right? So it's almost an essential thing for them. So if you look at David Sewell's project there with the coffee, that would, in my view, constitute something that is essential. Essential in part because it's addictive. When times are not going well, people still need to drink coffee, right? So these are some very important rules of thumb that I have when I look at investing. The last thing I'll talk about in terms of investment philosophy for myself is I prefer to invest in things that I can use debt. And again, we've talked about this before, but there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. Now, bad debt, as Robert Kiyosaki would say, is the type of debt that you have when you're, you know, you're buying shoes and, you know, things that you don't need on your credit card. And that is bad debt. It doesn't put any money in your pocket, doesn't help with anything. You bought some doodads and then you're just paying more money for those doodads than you normally would because you've got an interest rate attached to it. So that's bad debt. But good debt is really, really important because good debt helps you make more money than you ordinarily would by amplifying your position. So in the case of real estate, for example, if you buy something with debt, you're typically going to get a higher return on that asset. And I think it's really important to look at things where you can use leverage because typically that is going to amplify your wealth. Anyway, that's 
what I wanted to talk about today, and hopefully you have some thoughts on this and and you've gotten some value from what I talked about, certainly drop me an email if you have any comments or questions or thoughts on this. At, and my email is buck at wealthformula.com. And uh, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.